what's up, Charlie? All right. All right. The Browns had their second preseason game last night, first one at home. And against the Buffalo Bills, they got end up getting beat 19-17. to 17. But I saw some things that I liked. Um, what are your thoughts, Charles? Um, I definitely saw some things that I liked. Um, first thing I liked was the first team offense got a little bit more run in this game. Got to um, get establish a little more consistency. Um, and um, it looks like they were going with a little bit more of what we might see come regular season and as they were trying to establish a run, which led to um, – early on the offense not having to deal with a whole lot of third downs, opening up the passing game and the and then in turn going right down the field and scoring a touchdown. Yeah, they had two rushing touchdowns, one by Carlos Hyde, who also had nine carries and sixty four yards, and also one by Nick Chubb, the rookie, the second round pick out of Georgia. Um yeah, they definitely went to that game last night looking to run the ball more than they did the first game. Um, I, also, I'll tell you one thing. I, they averaged, back to the running game, they averaged 5.1 yards a rush. Uh, one thing I love, again, no turnovers from the Browns. Exactly, and that was a huge problem for us last season where you often found us getting down to the red zone or driving and then all of a sudden turning over the ball. Um, and I think – um, part of that was is not being able to establish a consistent run game. Um, and part of that was inconsistent play at the quarterback position. Yeah, two things they addressed in the offseason, definitely, with the signing of Carlos Hyde and trading for Tyrod Taylor and obviously drafting Nick Chubb with a high draft pick and also Baker Mayfield with the first pick overall. Um, one, th- one concerning uh, point for the Browns, he did have seven penalties for 70 yards. Um, that's that's something they're going to need to clean up or that could plug them and cost them uh, somewhere down the road during the regular season. Oh, definitely agreed. I mean, the first two games, they've had quite a bit of penalties, and penalties um, mean, usually mean that your team is undisciplined. And if this team is going to win some games this year, we need to be able to play more discipline along with some of the consistency that we were showing in this game. Yeah. I also, now switching sides of the ball, one thing I do like is our defense is playing with a little, with a lot more consistency. They played the run uh, extremely well. They had three sacks last night. Obviously, didn't have an interception, um, but I mean, it, they were getting after them. They limited them to 130 yards rushing, uh, and that's a team that the Bills. That's a team that relies on the rush. And also, after their quarterback, their first, their first team quarterback, AJ McCarron, got knocked out of the game, when they had Josh Allen in the game. Uh, you think the Bills are probably really going to rely on the rush, and the Browns uh, were able to shut them down. I said 130 yards. I meant they held them to 113 yards, which is pretty outstanding uh, against a team that really relies on running the ball. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Despite the couple of touchdown drives, I was impressed with the defense. The one thing that really stood out to me about the defense is they were fast. That was some, that that was something that was very much emphasized. They were fast to the ball, fast to get the guys down. Um, They, for most of the first half, the Bills couldn't advance past the 50-yard line um, and were struggling to get any offense going up until that second half came where our second team defense came in and got lit up by Josh Allen, which is 
slightly concerning to me because it kind of shows the lack of depth that we have behind those starters if an injury was to happen. But um, I like what I saw from the linebackers a lot. Um, all f- guys like um, Jamie Collins, who's coming off an injury, was in there making plays at the goal line. Um, Eric Kendricks was making plays, um, proven to be a smart signing by John Dorsey. And obviously, we have Christian Kirksey, Joe Schobert as well. Yeah, the defense is uh, – that's you're right. And I think coming off an only 16 team – our frontline guys are pretty good. Probably our frontline guys, our frontline starters are probably even playoff caliber, but it's the depth that worries me as as you stated earlier. You know, one one guy goes down and it could uh it could really do some damage to that to our defense and even our offense. Our offense uh, outside of a few positions isn't really deep either. But um just going off some stats here. Um I mean, you saw the 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 emphasis on the running you know, between Hyde and Chubb, they had 20 carries. Duke Johnson had another four. Um, and then the receiving was way down from last week as Landry didn't have a catch. Um, Antonio Holloway, Callaway didn't have a catch, didn't look like. Um, Higgins had two catches. So I think Todd Haley came into this game really trying to emphasize the run, which they did and which they were vastly successful at, I believe. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not really concerned about the passing game because right now this is only the second game of the preseason, and right now what it, what the preseason about is about is making sure all the pieces are going to click right come uh, week one of the regular season and make sure that this offense can move at a consistent pace um, that can put the ball in the end zone or even get just come out with a score. So um, I'm not really too worried about the passing game. Um, like you said, I think it was more about the running game in this game. I think what we'll see more come week three is we'll, we're going to be we're going to see the offense as a whole. So we we're going to see some more running and some more passing. Um, but I really love the uh, integration of Carlos Hyde as he didn't get that many carries week before, where Chubb got most of the carries. Um, and it really makes me believe that Hyde should be. Um, the RB1 come week one. Um, now with Chubb, I, you know, some people were concerned about, oh, he had a, because he had a horrible preseason week one. He came back and performed nicely and it looks like a, definitely a guy who can spell Hyde um, and um, come in and make an impact throughout the game at the time um, where, at, and it's uh, where Hyde has had some injury issues, you know, maybe keep Hyde on the field more um, with Duke Johnson. He only got five carries. Um, and what you were saying about the receivers, um, I feel like definitely Duke is that change of pace back. Who's going to get a few carries there, but I also think he's going to be someone who's going to be lined up in the slot a lot because he got, um, he got a lot of plays there in the slot last year and he made huge, he made a huge impact on the field. He was one of our best offensive players last season. And, I know that's not hard to say considering we're coming off an 0-16 campaign. I think that's just going to make this – that's just going to give another dimension to this offense that's that much more deadly. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I can't wait till this week. We get the Eagles at home again this Thursday. And basically what they refer to as the dress rehearsal for the team. For the, for the team. So all these guys will be getting plenty of time this coming week, uh, including – I don't know if you saw this or not, but Josh Gordon will be back this week. He announced it today. Uh, Josh Gordon will be back 
And that just adds a whole nother dimension to this offense for Todd Haley to work with. I did see that, and I'm super excited about that. I had the utmost confidence that he would be back. Um, I know people were all concerned, oh, why isn't Josh there? Why isn't Josh there? The dude was trying to get himself mentally right. You know, at this point right now, it's all about his sobriety and keeping him on the field. That's why I wasn't concerned about him being there, and it's not like he wasn't staying in shape. I mean, he was at Florida, and he's staying in game shape. And you look at it last year, I mean, he had come off not playing for two years, and he was still one of the fastest players out there, one of the most athletic players out there, which is another reason why I wasn't really concerned that he wasn't out there for the first two preseason games. Um, the um, Browns have shown that they um, like Jarvis, like they like to use Jarvis Landry in multiple positions um, where they like him in the slot or they like him on the outside. Um, and I think that's going to take some of the pressure off of Josh Gordon early to have to be the only playmaker on the offense and make it easier for him to um, ingratiate himself with the team. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's going to be – that just adds another dimension to this team. Like you said, we have, you know, Josh Gordon coming back. We have Jarvis Landry. They move him all over the place, target him all the time. We have uh, Duke Johnson coming out of the backfield. Also Antonio Callaway playing. Um, and then don't forget David Njoku had a big preseason game one. He had one target last night, but, uh, I mean, I think he's going to be an integral part of this offense also, along with the running game between Hyde and Chubb um, for Tyrod Taylor. And it's going to be – I mean, just seeing the way the offense is coming together, it's just – it's going to be the best offense we've seen in Cleveland probably since they came back in 99. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, And you mentioned Njoku, and I remember you mentioning in an earlier episode how in our staff fantasy league you're looking at David Njoku – um, I'm starting to look at him now as a fan, as a real fantasy option and maybe think that I was wrong. I think this dude is ready. I think year two is going to be a big year for this guy, and he's going to be an absolute baller out there on the field. I couldn't agree more. I like what I see from him, um, including watching him. I mean, just watching the way he does things. Uh, that week one, he had two catches for two touchdowns, opens the middle of the field up. Uh, it helps him now with those receivers to open the middle of the field up where he can make make plays. He's a big target for Tyrod Taylor. Um, safety net, if you will. And he can run with the ball after he catches it also. Oh, without a doubt. My only concern with him is catching the ball. And as, um, you've se- as you and I have both seen in hard knocks, that's something that he's had trouble doing. And that's something that Todd Haley has been getting on him about. Um, but what I think is that those those times where we've seen him drop a lot in practice, it has thankfully it hasn't really translated a whole lot in game so far and hopefully it stays that way because like you said he's going to open up the middle of the field and open up the rest of his offense and provide a safety valve for a guy like Tyrod Taylor oh for sure and hey let's just go I'll tell you what there's one thing that I and I watch hard knocks almost every year but there's just something different about it being in your town watching or do filming your team and getting an inside look at your team and how they work man I, I'm glued to the tv every Tuesday night watching that show about the Browns. It's, it's pretty awesome. The inside look they give you. Oh, I agree completely. I haven't really been an avid watcher of hard knock. Cause I honestly, I don't really care about any team other than the Cleveland Browns. but this year I'm absolutely glued to it. Um, I've noticed a lot of Cleveland media saying how this is, or a lot of net or a lot of guys on Twitter saying how this is a bad look for the Browns. And this is making them look horrible and it's a disaster. And honestly, I just can't see it. Um, 
I think it's um, I think we've gotten an inside look at, at how Hugh actually wants this team run and that he can be a competent head coach. I loved watching him get on those guys in episode two this past Tuesday. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't know. I, I've read the same things on Twitter, and I don't know how this is hard knocks or anything. Is an inside look in your team is any is can be a bad look at all because I mean they've done nothing. It's shown Hugh Jackson as a head coach, and it just emphasizes the fact that what a great signing Todd Haley was, what a great signing or great signing uh, Jarvis Landry was, what a great trade it was for Tyrod Taylor, um, and just highlights these things that the Browns have done in the off season. What a great guy Baker Mayfield's turning out to be as the number one pick. Um, I mean, just it seems to just be highlighting the good, the positives, and you, you can almost see a difference in Hugh Jackson when when the offensive pressure is not on him. He just has to be the head coach, and he doesn't have to worry about just the offense. He can look at the whole team, and he seems to be in more in control this year than he was the last two years. Well, and exactly, and now that he's getting that chance to actually just be the head coach. Um, you can see that he's expecting more out of his guys, which is why you see him in cases where he's yelling and he's swearing a whole lot at these guys. And there's um, there's not as much pressure on him because he has a guy like Todd Haley in there. Um, and I, I feel like Hard Knocks has really highlighted everything the Browns have done this offseason as a positive. Um, I haven't seen any negative or something that I didn't like yet from it. No, I haven't either. And I, I like uh, – I think when you bring a guy in like a uh, Todd Haley who has that cachet, if you will, of being a top-flight offensive coordinator had top-flight uh, offenses in two different places, I just think it makes a huge difference. Um, you know, when you bring a guy like that in who can – who now the head coach can be like, all right, I'm turning the offense over to this guy. It gives you some confidence, I believe, and it also gives the players – uh, confidence for that you're bringing in a, a respected veteran guy who who led uh, explosive offenses in the past. Yeah, and another um, coaching hire that I want to highlight now. Granted, this wasn't this offseason, but Greg Williams, he's um, he's bringing a lot of his addition since um, before 2016. I saw it as a great addition where I always felt that we would be better served to play in a 4-3 defense and a 3-4 because we had the guys who are better um, served for that um, scheme. But his energy and um, his demand on um, the guys, on his guys for to make plays and to cover their man and to, you know, just make hits and stuff like that is it's translating on the field because as you can see that, the, like I like I pointed out earlier, the Browns are so quick to the ball. Um, Denzel Ward is looking like a slam dunk first-round pick. Um, and not that I had any doubt that he would be. Everybody else had a doubt that he would be because of his size. And I'm like, no, this kid is legit. And Greg Williams is going to lead a strong defense. Yeah, you can definitely see Greg Williams' personality finally coming out in this defense. They're, they're aggressive. They're fast. Um and, I mean, he just – his personality, everywhere he's been, they've had great defenses, you know, we're, we're, no matter where he's been. So, having this guy here um, leading the defense and they're playing better. They're, you know, last year they were number one against the run, but they struggled in the back end. And John Dorsey, 
can't speak for the job that John Dorsey's done. I mean, he should probably win executive of the year right now. But, I mean, he addressed every shortcoming they had on this team, whether it be the secondary, whether it be, you know, receivers, whether it be, you know, needing a veteran quarterback. They addressed every single need they needed. And the guys he brought in on the back end of that defense are really, really balling out, and they're going to make that defense that much better. Oh, exactly. And you know what? A guy like Miles Garrett has really stood out, too. Um, yeah, how much he was already getting to the quarterback a lot. Um, and I think the addition of Greg Williams has just has um, made the develop has uh, pushed his development up faster. And he's going to be as long as and I'm hoping that we can keep him on the field more this season, because I really feel like that we got a future all pro in our hands. With Miles Garrett, oh, I, I totally agree. I I expect at least double digit sacks from him this year, and having that back end, you know, hold, I think we, we discussed this in an earlier podcast, but having that back end hold that coverage just a second, half second to a second longer will allow him and um, Open Joey and all those other guys who are rushing the quarterback to get there. I mean, Garrett had seven and a half sacks, I believe, last year. I mean, I expect nothing more than at least double digit sacks out of him harassing and double-digit pressures out of him also because he's just he's, – he's been looking like an all-pro, like you said. Yeah, and you know what? He's a different player this year too. Have you noticed his intensity in practice? Like he's getting in guys' faces and, you know, and I love it. I love every bit of it. I mean, that says to me that you're a guy who wants to be great and who wants to make an instant impact on the field and who will make an instant impact on the field. Yeah, I love – I'm yeah, just – his, his second year guy now, he's got more confidence. He's got more, uh, you know, he's got more, you know, cachet with the team, if you will. Um, he just turned into that, turned into a leader, turned into that all-star leader we need. He's going to be, you know, the Browns guy. You know, he's going to be the face of the Browns, essentially, until Baker steps in and becomes a quarterback because the quarterback's always the face of the franchise. But Miles Garrett's going to be that guy on defense, just that number one pick, producing and – I mean, can you imagine if the Browns have two straight number one picks that produce in our bus? I mean, it'd be like Armageddon might be upon us. Oh, my God. That's unheard of in Cleveland. (laughs) Exactly. I'd I'd start thinking, is the world ending at this point? Because, you know, that's never happened for us, you know. And it's amazing just to be a Browns fan at this point and to witness something that could potentially – that we could potentially see like that. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just continually amazed by watching this team work day in and day out. And I really see a substantial amount of improvement coming this season. And honest to God, I don't think eight and eight is out of the question or even nine and seven. No, oh, no doubt. I, I think, I think eight and eight, nine and seven battling for that final wild card spot is definitely, definitely not unrealistic. Um, and I'd say, uh, I know a lot of people who have season tickets, and the guy who's had him since they came back, and he struggled through that whole time. And now my neighbor just got him this year. I told him he's gotten season tickets at the right time because I feel like the Browns are on the upswing. Um, you know, they're going to win between five and nine games, I believe, and it's only going to be on the uprise from there. Well, and you know what? This, this, our rebuild has been very similar to that of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you saw how they finally saw the fruits of their rebuild um, last year with an elite defense. And I feel like that's where the Browns defense is heading to a Jacksonville S level. 
Um, and then we got some guys in place who could um, potentially make our offense good and or great. I agree. Um, I, I agree with that analogy on the Jacksonville rebuild. We're building just like they were. And then, but I think the one thing we will have next year, if not this year, is our quarterback position is going to be better. Blake Bortles is what he is, and he, you know, led the AFC Championship game. But Baker Mayfield's so much better. I believe Baker Mayfield's ceiling is so much higher than Blake Bortles, and that's where that'll carry us, hopefully, to the next Sunday, to the Super Bowl Sunday, eventually, somewhere down the road. Yeah, and I agree with that assessment, but I also feel like that we're going to see a lot more out of Tyrod than we have that we haven't seen before with a guy like Todd Haley as his offensive coordinator. I mean, you look at him in his first two games, he's he's not just about efficiency. He's taking shots down the field. He's getting it to his guys, and he's providing a great veteran presence for uh, Baker, but also for the guys in the huddle on the field. Yeah, I agree. And also um... – he has better we- he has better weapons on the outside. When you talk about Callaway, uh, Landry, Jarvis Landry, uh, Josh Gordon, David Njoku, then you had when he was in Buffalo. Buffalo basically had a bunch of bunch of second rate receivers and Lashawn McCoy, and that was it. And he took that team. I'm looking for a yeah. big big year out of uh, Tyrod Taylor, um, and I mean he doesn't ju- he just doesn't turn the ball over, which is going to be such a difference maker, especially, I mean, offensively, of course, but ex- even on defense. I mean, defense had to come out and stop teams after, um, you know, all those turnovers last year. So if we're not turning the ball over, it's going to help offensively, of course, and then it's going to help defensively for them not defending a short field. Yeah, and you know what? My only question right now with this offense is the left side of that line um, because, as you know, we don't have all pro left tackle Joe Thomas anymore. Um, so the Browns have been rotating guys in and out at that left tackle position and the left guard position because, frankly, they've been switching Joe Bento- Joel Bentonio over there to left tackle, who was hesitant at first, but it looks like he'll be a really good left tackle if that is the route that they go. And Austin Corbett just looks like a, a great pickup who's going to be, be able to um, make the Browns feel more comfortable about moving Joe Bo- Joel Bentonio to the outside. Um the right side of the line looks great because um, one thing that I noticed is you haven't heard much about Chris Hubbard, which is actually a good thing. That means he's settling down the right side. And obviously, we got Kevin Zeitler at right guard, and then we have J.C. Treader at center. So that part of the line doesn't concern me. The left, left side of the line doesn't concern me. But if from what I've seen from Joe Antonio so far and Austin Corbett is um, a picture of the future, then I'll take that. Yeah, the line's been coming together. I mean, I guess uh... – and Buffalo's got a pretty good defense. Um, they gave up two sacks last night and no turnovers. So the line's been coming together. Uh, Bob Wiley's a line coach. He's he's a veteran line coach. So he's getting that group to play together, and they're coming together. And hopefully it's going to lead to big things for the Browns offensively uh, this year. Hopefully we don't have to go to the stadium this year and watch any more nine to six games. Um, oh, God, I hope not. But the offense is coming together, and they're going to be – Big big game this week when the, during the dress rehearsal rehearsal against the defending Super Bowl champion the Philadelphia Eagles is Thursday at home, um, so that'll be one to watch and give you a little preview of the season. But right now we have a big announcement from the Ohio Sports Blog podcast. We are going to rebrand ourselves as Eighty Eight Problems and Sports Eight One Podcast. 
We will we will drop two episodes a week. Uh, one on Wednesday previewing the weekend's games, and one on Monday recapping the weekend's games. I'll tell you what, Charles, I'm charged up for that. It's going to be a great new uh, platform for us. I'll tell you what, I'm really excited about that, and I really like how we're branching out from the blog, where we're still affiliated with the blog, but we have our own brand to um, to to advertise and to put ourselves out there more. And I think this is going to be really big for not only the blog, but for you and I as, um, as a duo, because I really think we have a good chemistry and um, it's going to show on 88 problems in sports ain't one. Yeah. Look for uh, a lot of new segments, including we're going to be working hard here in the next couple of weeks, trying to get uh, uh, local sports guys interviewed, um, try to get some players, get some local sports personalities, on the pod to give us their breakdown and what they should think of the, of Cleveland sports and Ohio sports. So it's going to be really exciting here in a couple of weeks and football's right around the corner. We're about, we're, I know we're a week away from high school football in Ohio. We're two weeks away from college football and so I'm three weeks away from pro football. So it's, it's right around the corner. It's going to be exciting. And I mean, what a better place to be than Ohio with the Browns on the upswing the Buckeyes on the upswing. Um, it's going to be be interesting coming this fall. Yeah, and, you know, despite all of the stuff surrounding the Buckeyes, it hasn't stopped them from working hard. Um, and I really still feel like that the Buckeyes are going to be the national champions this year, no matter what happens, what comes out of that situation. But that's for another segment. I don't want to discuss that now because we're right now I just want to get fans ramped up about the Browns and 88 sports and 88 problems in sports ain't one. Um, it's, it's, it's an exciting time for sports, too, in general, because you also, on top of football coming back, you also have uh, postseason baseball getting inching closer and closer. And the Indians, feel I feel like the Indians are catching their stride. Oh, they are definitely catching their stride. And big news we saw the other day with Trevor Bauer, he's only going to be out four to six weeks when their initial reports were six to eight weeks, which puts him back. I believe roughly right at the beginning of the division series, which is a great, great thing for the tribe getting their second best pitcher back. And I'd say who's kind of snuck under the radar as one of their better pitchers lately is Carlos Carrasco. He won the game last, last night, two to one over the Orioles. Um, he's hitting his stride. Kluber's hitting his stride. We're going to get Bauer back. Uh, the bullpen starting and the offense is just our one, two punch of Jose Ramirez and Frankie Lindor. You can't uh, – that's the best in, in baseball, and there's no arguing that, and I don't care who else the other two you guys bring up, but those two are the best in baseball, in my opinion. Oh, I agree completely. And, you know, you talk about the Trevor Bauer situation, and most people who come across that, they're like, oh, crap, Trevor Bauer's hurt. Um, and I know you did an article about how um, how this doesn't hurt us, and I fully believe that this doesn't hurt us because of the death that we have in the rotation with, like you said, Carrasco hitting his stride, who's been amazing as of late and legitimately could give us a third Cy Young candidate if he continues to pitch like he has. Um, Corey Kluber is finally back to Corey Kluber. And then you just can't say enough about what Jose Ramirez and Frankie Lindor have done um, this season. I mean, Jose Ramirez is tied for the league league in home runs right now, and he's one of the tops in stolen base leaders. Very few players have done that and he could very well lead the league in home runs and stolen bases. 
Yeah, that guy's that guy is definitely um, MVP candidate. Probably should win the MVP just for what he brings us. And I was and going back to the pitching, we have the top two guys, two guys top for the, tied for the for the lead in the American League and wins. Kluber's got fifteen. Carrasco's got fifteen. And um, so I mean, we're we're right there. We're rolling. Our pitching's rolling. We're hitting our stride. I think it's we shouldn't be surprised as. Uh, as it, Cleveland Indians fans, since Tito's gotten here, we've this is about when we hit our stride every year. We just we hit it in late in late August, September. That's last year when they won 25 games in a row. Uh, we're gonna hit our stride here and just roll into the playoffs. We got the we've had the division wrapped up since mid June. I think we got a 12 or 13 game lead now. So and so we're going right into the playoffs on on the right note. To be honest, we honestly had the division wrapped up to start the year, if you want to just go on with that. I mean, just because the lack of competition in our division. And to go back to the pitching thing, a lot of our guys in our blog are sleeping, tend to sleep on uh, Mike Clevenger and Shane Bieber. And those are two guys you do not want to just miss come postseason time because Mike Clevenger, um, who hasn't been as great as he was early on, and maybe that's um, a sign of him slowing down. Um, but he's still been good. And a lot of his numbers are very similar to that of our own Corey Kluber. Um, and he does have some postseason experience. And then a guy like Shane Bieber, you guys got to remember that he is just a rookie. But when he has been on, he has been one of our easily one of our best pitchers, one of the best pitchers in the league this year. Yeah. Bieber's Bieber's been a, a great great back end guy for that rotation, and Clevenger. I think Clevenger is going to get help in the next month or so, especially with the call ups when they go to a six man rotation, and uh, he'll get a couple starts in September. But um, you know that rest, that extra rest in between starts, will probably really help him going into the postseason. And one other note on Bauer's injury: the one thing that doesn't really um, concern me about his injury is it's a leg injury. Um, exactly. His right, his right leg. It's a it's his push off leg, but um, it's not an arm or a back or something like that. If it's a leg, lower lower, it's a bone injury. Also, it's not a muscle injury, so it's yeah. it's not as concerning as something in the elbow or the bicep or the shoulder or the back would be for a pitcher, in my opinion. Yeah, and that that being it, being that it is his push off leg, it might impact his velocity, but not as much as an arm injury would impact his velocity. It's not going to impact the movement on his curveball, which we all know Bauer has a sick curveball, um, and it's not going to impact the movement on his changeup or his slider. So, I mean, when Bauer comes back, we could. I mean, if and when Bauer comes back, because realistically, we got to look at it this way: he's out until the postseason. Um, worst case scenario, I think he's back um, in the AL in a potential ALCS series. Um, but you know, um, it doesn't. Cons- I agree with you. The ankle injury does not is not concerning to me because it's not an arm injury, and it's just not the same when a pitcher injures an ankle. And that was a freak injury. I mean, it seems like we have those every year. But you know what? We always we always tend to come back from those stronger. Um, we've all, and um, I think. This year could be completely different, um, and with the signs that our bullpen are showing um, of becoming a strength once again, I mean, they look. Cody Allen and Brad Hand have been absolutely devastating. Andrew Miller, since he's come back, has been another guy who I've been 
thoroughly impressed with, and you could tell, you could certainly tell that the injuries early on in the season were hampering his ability to pitch. Yes, and um, people, a lot of people compare this year to like 16 when we went to the World Series, lost in seven games to the Cubs. But I mean, there's, I think our starting pitching is deeper and better. Um, you know, that's the, we were in the postseason down two starters, two good, good starters, Carrasco and Salazar. Our bullpen was really good, but our offense that year, our offense this year, for the top half of our offense is substantially better than it was in 2016. So it gives me hope for the postseason. Um, and we're looking forward to a great run by the Indians, great start by the Browns and the Buckeyes. And it's just going to be great launching that new podcast, 88 Problems with Sports Ain't One. First episode airing will drop on August 29th to preview that Saturday Buckeyes versus Oregon State game and anything else that happens to be going on in Ohio sports at that time. So until then, we'll see you. We'll see you. Keep cheering on those Brownies and the Indians. Carry them into the postseason, and we'll see you on August 29th.